we're going to continue on in our series on possessing the land. And um, we, last, we talked about the great defeat that uh, the children of Israel had when they went to, to uh, just after Jericho, they went to try and take Ai. And remember, there was hidden sin in the camp. Achan was um, um, one of the... Uh, Soldiers that, uh, or one of the people that went into the, uh, the the place of Jericho after the walls fell down, he he saw in the uh, in the, one of the houses there he saw two two point three uh, kilos of silver and and five hundred seventy five uh, grams of gold and a and a gaudy some sort of costume and he coveted that thing and he went and I suppose his children and his wife knew about it as well because he buried it in the center of his tent dug a hole in the center of his tent and buried it in the ground there and of course Joshua knew nothing about it nobody else had done that this was just Achinson this is this is meant to be a pure body a pure nation of people going into the promised land going to take it and God told them to purify their hearts to sanctify themselves and to circumcise themselves and get ready for you know this great victory and when they were going into Jericho, they were told not to touch any of the accursed stuff, which was the money. It was all and the clothing and anything that was pagan oriented. They were not to touch it. They were just to leave it alone. And the, and the money and the, and the metal and stuff they would bring back for the temple. That was meant for the temple. And so everybody did that except for Achan. Achan thought that he could bring the rules. Achan thought that he could look like a Jew on the outside but act like some heathen on the inside. Similar, you know, some people think they can come to church on Sunday, walk around in church on Sunday and still have something on the inside that's not quite right and think that they can get away from God's scrutiny. Well, God won't strike you dead like he did Ananias and Sapphira, but God knows what's happening on the inside. He sees what's happening on the inside and we really need to address the inside. And I like the word that David brought about listen with your heart. It's not about listening with your ear. Listening with your heart says take it on board and recognize that when God is speaking to you, you need to do something about it. He wants your heart. He wants all your heart. He doesn't want a little bit of it. He wants the whole lot of it. He wants everything that you've got inside. He wants it given to him. So Achan didn't give everything to God. He kept some, some, some back to himself and he buried it in the thing. And of course, Ai, they, they sent 3,000 men up to the little town in Ai. And they thought, well, that's going to be enough to conquer that place. Up they went and they got driven back by the king of Ai who came out and assaulted them and killed 30-odd blokes. And they came back in utter defeat. Joshua was completely stunned by this occurrence because they'd just seen Jericho fall and they were sort of feeling like they were unstoppable and then a little town on a hill is able to crush them just like that crush their morale he says what happened God and God told them and God always tells somebody if somebody is asking what's happening in the church why isn't the church growing and we have seen this before we have seen God do this before we get on our face and say God what's wrong something's wrong we can feel something heavy in there and God will tell us a specific thing that's happening We've had that happen in the past. God says, this person is doing this thing. And God tells us it's called a word of knowledge. And we see it. He does that. Scary, eh? <laughs> That's our God. But you know why he does that? He, he does it because he loves you. He cares about you. He wants you to purify your hearts and cleanse yourself. He wants you to be a chosen vessel. He wants you to cleanse your life and cleanse away the stuff that's rubbish. So he exposes it. He exposes those things. So God exposed Achan and they took Achan and his sons and his daughters and his wives and all his cattle and they, they stoned them to death and they 
buried them, burned them, and then buried them under a whole heap of stones. They got ready to go to possess the land. Now listen, you can't possess the land without first having victory where you have once been defeated. You can't possess the land without having victory where you were once defeated. Do you understand what that means? It means that in front of you, if you want to get to where God wants you to take you, in front of you, you are faced with your failure. The first thing that you are faced with when you want to go for God is the thing that stops you from going on in God. And you cannot go on in God until you overcome that thing that stops you. It may have been something that's defeated you and you go to, and you, you stumble at that point. You can't keep on going into the promised land. You can't keep on going to where you, till you come to this place. This is going to be the next step up. Until you meet this thing, you will not get into the promised land. And it's the same with Israelites. It was the same with these guys. They could not get into the promised land until they had conquered Ai. So let's go to Joshua chapter 8. We're going to read Joshua chapter 8. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Now, defeat always leaves a legacy of, um, of discouragement and fear. When you get defeated on an area... It, it always leaves a legacy of discouragement and fear. You know, that thing that got you, that thing that made you trip up. Whenever it comes back again, you get, oh, is it going to make me fall again? In fact, we, we, we do as much as we can to sort of, uh, kind of avoid even thinking about it because we get discouraged by the thing that we, that we fall at. When we fall at something, it just sits with us. And if somebody says, how are you going with something? Oh, you know, I'm discouraged and I'm fearful that, you know, it could expose the wretchedness of my life so we have to really overcome that thing that it causes us discouragement and fear that legacy and it says uh, and to do that you've got to listen to God's word friends God wants to speak to us and to overcome the thing that comes against us and to overcome discouragement and fear you've got to open up your heart and listen to God's word because God is more interested in your advancement than even you are God wants you to go ahead faster even than you want to go ahead. He's not reluctant in pouring out his spiritual gifts upon you. You are reluctant in exercising those spiritual gifts. The problem is not God. The problem is you. You're the one who keeps on putting the brakes of caution on. You're the one who keeps on applying yourself and saying, oh, it's your discouragement and your fear that slow the process down. If you were to step up and be bold in God, God would move this a little faster than you're going now. Because God wants you to move. Amen? Say to your neighbor, God wants you to move. And if they didn't say anything to you, look at them and say, well, what are you doing? God wants you to move. So you have to listen to God's word. One of the things he says, I won't, for I have delivered them into your hands, he says, take the whole army with you. 
go up and attack. I, I, one of the things that you've got to recognize, this is not, I mean, in our culture, in our, we're all islands. You know, that's the thing that we're taught. You are the most important person in the world, world. No one else matters. You are it. And you live in a house by yourself and you have a fence around it. And everybody should keep out. You put screens on the doors and screens on the windows and, and, and you keep everybody away from you because you're an island. Everybody's an island. They don't need to know what's going on in my life. But listen, you're part of a body. This is a different frame here. And if you're struggling, we all struggle because if the little one struggles, then everybody struggles. That's what the Word of God is. We're part of a body. Therefore, if you want victory, you cannot think that you're going to get victory by yourself. Don't worry about it. I'll do it myself, Robert. I'll just leave, it, leave me to me and I'll look after it myself. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. The way it works in God's body is that if you've got a problem, it's going to affect everybody. So enlist everybody to help you with your problem. We are told to bear one another's burdens. To bear one another's burdens. You're told to carry your own load, yes, but you're told to bear one another's burden. That means you're responsible for the person beside you. You're responsible for yourself, but you're also responsible for the person beside you. Turn to the person beside you and say, I'm responsible for you. Oh, you don't want to do that, do you? Because, you know, if you're responsible for me, then... Uh, you're going to have to do something about me, aren't you? Then say to yourself, put your hands up, I am responsible for me. That was easy for you, wasn't it? Because that's where we're living. Me oriented. I'm responsible for me. Now say, I'm responsible for you. Whoa, now that's a different wrinkle. That's a different wrinkle because if somebody's not here today, who's responsible if they're not here today? We are. If somebody's missing, if somebody's sick, who's responsible about that? We are. If somebody's going through a hard time and struggling, who's responsible about that? We are. You say, well, that's their own problem. They ought to deal with their own thing. No, it's our, our problem as well. We are responsible for our brothers and sisters. It's part of being in a family. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't cast your own family out or would you cast your family of God out? We've got to be responsible for one another. You know, I look here and I see people are not here today. I know, how, I know exactly how many people are not here today. Afterward, you can come and tell me and I'll give you a list of all those people who are not here today. I know who should be here and who's not here. And I'm responsible for them. I think about them. I think, why are they not here today? There seems to be no reason why they shouldn't be here today. I would love them to be here. They really need to hear this one today. And they're not here. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I don't like the devil. Who likes the devil here? Put your hand up high if you really like the devil. Well, why would you cooperate? Well, who doesn't like the devil? Who loves God? Okay, let's cooperate with God, not the devil, hey? Right. Joshua chapter 8, verse 2. You shall go, you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Except... That they may carry, uh, except you may carry their plunder and their livestock for yourselves. So he says there, he says, you know, you're going to do exactly the same sort of thing that you did to AI, uh, to Jericho. You've got to destroy AI. Oh, this is all before they've done it. This is before the fact. God's telling them you are going to destroy it. I want you to think in your life and I want you to think about the thing that is bugging you, the thing that you keep on struggling with. And nobody else really knows about it here. Some may know about it. I want you to say now, I am going to destroy it. 
Sad. I am going to destroy it. You have to have a will to do that, you know. I'm not playing with this thing any longer. I'm going to destroy it. Sad. I'm going to destroy it. What if it's fear? I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to destroy it. What if it's complacency? I'm going to destroy it. What if it's, what if it's lethargy? What if it's sloth? I'm going to destroy it. Whatever it is. I'm go- you have to have a will to fight. If you don't have a will to fight, it will dominate you and control you to the day you die. You will lay on your deathbed and you'll go, I regret not wanting to destroy this thing. It destroyed my whole life and my whole potential. You have to will to destroy it. You have to will to fight. You have to will to get up and say, God says, you are going to destroy AI. This thing, I don't think I can. I mean, it's conquered me. I don't know how many times I've tried to bite this thing. It just sticks to me. That's just the way I am. All the reasons why you shouldn't destroy it, you ought to say, no, God said, I'm going to destroy it. And stand up on the inside and say, I don't care how long it's had me under its stuff. I'm ready to kill it now. I'm ready to destroy it. God says, it's time for it to go. You know, if you're waiting around and rationalizing about it and waiting for God to do a magic wand thing, you know, one day I'll wake up in the morning and it'll all be gone. You'll be waiting a long time. God doesn't work that way. One day I'll wake up and all my old man stuff will be gone. No, it doesn't work that way. You are to put it to death, which means you're actively doing something. It just doesn't go away. You think, I wish I could wake up one day and then God would make it all clean on the inside. And then we procrastinate. Because we don't say, I will destroy it, because God said he will destroy it, so I'm going to get alongside him and destroy it as well. We're going, to, we're going to destroy this thing. Because we don't, we start to justify it. We justify it. It's only because you know, all the people that I know have been really unkind to me, and that's why I do this. It's because I feel so sad, and because I'm so sad, that's why I do this thing. Why? Because no one else is kind to me. What you've just done is justified sin. You'll never get rid of it if you justify it. The reason I do this little thing, I get really angry and I, and I, I, because everybody is unkind to me. I can't control my anger. It's just the way I am. You just justified it. You just said, okay, it's okay to have my sin. It's okay to live with AI up there under the rule of another king and I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm just going to just walk around it. Here it is sitting in front of you, taunting you and saying, I defeated you, I defeated you. And rather than deal with it, you just go this way, away from it. God never intended that you would walk away from a challenge or walk away from a fight. God never intended you to walk away from your situation and say, ignore it, leave it in the past and not deal with it. Leave it on the side there, just don't go there. He wanted you to confront it because you can't get into the promised land until you take this and you kill it. It's the next step. Israel could not go any further into the promised land until they dealt with Ai. They could have skirted around Ai and gone in somewhere else and gone and attacked somewhere else. No, God says, no, 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 no. You deal with this now. Say to yourself, and I want you to verbalize this, I have to deal with it. I have to deal with it now. I must destroy it. Before it destroys me. And it will if you leave it. As sure as it's sure. And so friends, 
We have to set an ambush. Let's read on, it says. You shall do to Ai as its kings as, as and its kings as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and their livestock for yourself, so you're allowed to take the stuff now that you had to bring to the temple last time. Set an ambush behind the city that he said. So Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack Ai. He chose 30,000 this time. Remember last time he sent up 3,000. This time he sent up 30,000. He didn't weaken at his resolve. He empowered himself to make sure that there was going to be one blow and that would gone. You know, we, you know, it just comes, you know, I'll try. And then we weaken and we really don't. We send up half a, half a crew next time to attack and get defeated again. No, no, Joshua wasn't going to go for a defeat a second time. This time he was going to obliterate them. He was going to take, they brought defeat. He said, right now, 10 times as much effort, let's get into it. 30,000. Not, not, 30,000 straight at the front? No, he says, I've got a strategy. He says, I've got a plan. And you will not defeat sin in your life unless you have the same sort of strategy, strategic thinking that Joshua had here. You cannot just say, oh, well, I'll just try. I hope I get over it. No, you have to sit down and say, you know, this is the problem. Mark it. It's been marked now. That's the problem. God showed me that's the problem. I'm going to deal with that problem there. And that, well, how am I going to do that? I am not going to weaken my resolve and try and just do this on the side. I'm going to enlist a whole group of people and we're going to hit this thing real hard. We're going to hit this thing real hard by God and we're going to make this the last time I have to hit it. This is going to be the last time I'm going to deal with this. Well, listen, friends. Unless you have that sort of mentality to deal with sin once and for all, you will keep sinning until Jesus comes back. And you will think that should we sin that grace should abound? And you will be saying, why, of course. By the more I sin, the more gracious God appears. The more I sin, the greater his forgiveness is. Why? To see the greatness of God's forgiveness, you have to keep on sinning. Well, that's what you do when you live with habitual sin in your life. That's the thing you're actually preaching. Sin produces more of God's grace, therefore less glory in sin. How, how sick is that? That's, see, sin is destructive to you. And you must deal with it. God wants us to be victorious. He said, set an ambush behind the city and he chose 30,000 of his best fighting men and sent them out at night with these orders. Now, one of the things I want to tell you is that, is that the plan for victory starts at night. The night time of your defeat. The plan of victory doesn't start when you're feeling empowered in God to go and do it. Like you've uh, waited for a couple of years now. The guilt of your sin has gone away. You, you felt like, you know, well, you know you, you, you've sort of, you're not feeling so bad about the thing that you did now and now you're going to try and de defeat this thing that conquers you every now and then. 
No, 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 no. The plan for victory starts at the night time. The night of your defeat, when you're feeling the pangs of guilt, when you're feeling ashamed because of what you did, not, not after it's all just gone away, at the moment when you've done this thing, just after you've done this thing, you've had to deal with it, and you are shameful, and you're thinking, oh, this is terrible, this is shocking, I, I just wish I... That's when you make a plan. Don't wait around. Don't stop. Make a plan right then to deal with this thing. Sit down and, and begin to strategize. What's this ambush going to look like, Jesus? Joshua verse, chapter 8, verse 2 to 9 says, Listen carefully. You are to set an ambush behind the city. Don't go very far from it. All of you be on the alert. I and all those with me will advance on the city, and when the men come out against us, as they did before, we will flee from them. Okay, here's a strategy of dealing with sin. Okay, we're victorious. Victorious, aren't we? Yay, let's go. Victories. Yay, put your hand up. Punch the air. Yay! Yay! We win! We win! We win! <laughs> we win! <laughs> okay, there's the enemy. Plan a strategy. It's a frontal attack. Remember, that's the way we got beaten last time. We went straight up. And the thing came straight out and got us. You know the way you always fight? I'll be good from now on. You'll see, Pinocchio's nose. You'll see. I'll be good from now That's the frontal attack. We know if you keep on trying to do it that way, you'll fail again because that's what... The way we try and do... How many times have you failed with this thing? What are you doing? It's not working. Because if still failing, your frontal attack is not working. Whatever you're doing, the way you're doing it, it's got to change to win. So however you thought you were going to win, you have to have a different strategy because it's not working to you if you sinned again. You got that? So the frontal attack works. To what? To draw out the enemy. Who can I? Come here and sit. You be the enemy. Okay, here we go. So this is what happened first. Day. You go, I've got to come up. We're going to get you. And he rises up and he destroys me. Oh, he got me, but I come back here. We deal with the problem. So he knows now, if I come this way, that's what he's going to do. So we've got to, we understand that, okay? That's what the devil... Now we're going to stand an ambush. Now this is the ambush. You go out the front and what? Yep, yeah, round behind, okay? So what happens is we go... No, he's, he knows me. He doesn't know you. So... We're going out now. No, 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 no. You go around the side. So you just wait. So I come up to the front. Huh? Oh, scary. He runs after me. You run after me. He comes out of his city. And when he's out of his city, it, before he gets to me, I raise up the thing. <laughs> No, 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 <laughs> no, no, you've got to read your Bible, you've got to kill the thing, kill the thing, get rid of it, you've got to burn that thing, and then you come and get me, you see, yeah, you've got to kill the, because that's the stronghold, that where is where he lives, friend, if you don't get the devil out of where he lives, the devil has still got his scabbard, in, if he's still got his sword in the scabbard, he's got somewhere else to go and sit down, 
If you want to get rid of the devil from the inside that's causing you to sin, you've got to get, re- get rid of where he lives inside you. Got to remove that stronghold. So he's got nowhere to go back to anymore. Then you do him in like a dinner. So he comes out. Now, this is the strategy. This is what happened. He come out. He come out to attack me. I went, oh, I'm frightened. Now, am I really frightened? No, I have a strategy. Oh, and I begin to run away. He begins to chase me, thinking that he's got me on the run, just like he did before. And when he's come out far enough away from the city, I say, right there, I got you. And I, when they put my hand up like that, they see the victory. They burn the, the city. And then they come and I turn around with my men and they come in from behind. And what happens is, whoo. Yeah. Oh, Rachel, finish him off. Rachel, Rachel, you're not doing anything. Finish him off. Uh, he's not dying. We need Rachel. Everybody's got to play a part here. Rachel, kill. Chop his head off. Ah, there you are. Death blow. And he's gone. So that's, thank you. Thank you. God bless you all for your enthusiastic involvement. Listen, what is that? Let me, let me explain it to you then. The stronghold. I come up to the stronghold. I draw it out. So when I'm coming to the habitual sin in my life and it's starting to tempt me, I'm feeling it in here. You know how it feels when you're getting tempted? Everybody put your hand up if you don't know what temptation feels like. Yeah, I'd have thought. So everybody knows what it feels like to be tempted. So you're here and you feel the temptation. That means you got him, you know? So he now he got the temptation. You say, okay, what is it that you want me to do? Now let's take let's take sloth, shall we? What's sloth? You, who doesn't know what sloth is? Put your hand up if you have never heard the word sloth before. Who knows what sloth is? Put your hand up. Uh, Jerome, do you know what sloth is? No, well you didn't put your hand up either way. I can't. You know, I, do you understand? Put your hand up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, this is what sloth is. Sloth is laziness. Laziness. Sloth. S-L-O-T-H equals laziness. Okay, you know what laziness is? Yes, okay, okay. All right. So we call it laziness. It's my little besetting sin, laziness. Well, I just get so lazy about the... Maybe tomorrow. Anyway, it's got me so long and I'm just missing so many opportunities in God just because of my laziness. I'm not getting up and doing what God wants me to do. So it gets me every time I feel ashamed of it. I think, oh, mate, how, how long is this laziness going to affect me? So it's a little, little demon that's trying to control my life. I've got to deal with it. I've got to master it before I can get on in God. So I come up and I feel the laziness. You know, the little thing in my head, oh, yeah, I don't have to do that today. Just put it off till tomorrow. Or it might say there's a lion outside. It's cold outside. It's too cold out to get out, bed and pray. Right, it's going to take too much effort to do that. I think I'll just relax today. So that's all the language that you'd hear if it's talking to you, okay? So you'd be coming close to this thing and this thing will start to talk to you. And so now we're going to set our strategy in place. And so what is it you want me to do? And the little voice inside you say, you need to just take your time. Take it easy. It's not important. They'll find someone else to do the job. You don't have to do this. You, you. So you're now drawing him away from the stronghold. 
You mean to tell me that you want me to sit back, put my feet up, a little, uh, little um, slumber, a little crossing of the legs, a little slumber, and my, my destruction is going to come? You want me to take it easy and not take responsibility for the things that I've given myself responsibility? Is that what you want me to do? You draw them out. Draw them out. What is it you want me to do? Draw them out. Draw them out. He says, yes, that's what I want you to do. That's enough. I knew, I knew that is what you wanted me to do. I knew that you wanted me to take my time and lay back and let somebody else. Now I see you. You have drawn the thing out to its obvious conclusion. You want me to fail by listening to you and not doing what I should be doing. That's what you want. You've drawn it out to its obvious conclusion. You stood around and you said, right, how about no? And you raised your hand, how about a no? Everybody say no. no. Oh, give me a no, Michael, a no. No to sin. Oh, no. How about no to procrastination? How about no to laziness? How about no to sloth? And when you raise your hand and say, how about no? Then you bring the army on the inside and he comes and destroys that. You know what? You know what the army on the one that comes in behind and kills it? It's the determination to do the will of God. Well, what you can do, you can either do the will of the devil or you can do the will of God. So that this is the, you listen to me, I'm giving you strategic plan here for victory. This is how you do it. You don't wait for the feeling to do the will of God. No, 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 no. You do the will of God and then you'll feel good about it. Okay, you got it? So you draw them out and you say to them, okay, you want me to do nothing? Yeah, do nothing. Just sit back. You know, the movies, movies are on and you can go out and just, just relax. You say, you know what? How about a no? And then you go around and you, because it's part of you all sort of mixed up in this. Bang, you do the will of God. And that's like putting in the, the death blow to the, the, the devil's got nowhere to go. You've told him, I am determined to do the will of God. I've said no to sloth, yes to the will of God. I made my choice. And you destroy the stronghold. You're ready to move into the land. Okay. Just in case you didn't get it. Sin. Lust. That's a horrible one, isn't it? Lust. Come up here. Oh, my, my, oh, I can feel this is a temptation. Lust. What's it lusting for? So it's lusting for a woman. A woman. Lust. Oh. Hmm. Oh, I'm frightened. Are you really frightened? You decided now you're not going to be governed by pornography. You're not going to be governed by this stuff anymore, okay? Oh, I'm running. It's chasing. Come on out. You're drawing it away from the city now. What is it you want me to do? You're actually talking to the devil? Yeah, that's right. You're asking it its name. We are legion. We are many. You're asking it the name. What's your name? I am adultery. And I want you to commit adultery with another man's wife. Is that what you want me to do? Is that why I'm feeling this? You're drawing me, you draw it out. Keep on drawing. You, you want me to commit adultery with this? This is these initial feelings of lust, these temptations. In you want me? Keep on drawing it out. Yeah. When you get to here, what do you do? How about? Enlist everybody to help you. How about? 
Yes, that's what I want to hear. No. How about no? That's right. You've said no to this, the whole thought. You know, that is the thin edge of the wedge that takes you to this. This is where he wants you to go. That temptation, the flirtation, the stuff, is the thin edge of the wedge to take you to adultery. You don't want to go to adultery, whether it be adultery of the mind or whether it be adultery of the life. You don't want to do that. You say, how about no, you draw it out. You want me to commit adultery here. I'm not going to commit adultery here. How about now I do the will of God? And what's the will of God? Destroy the stronghold. And what is the stronghold? Well, I'll get rid of that TV so I don't do that. Or I'll, I'll destroy something. that I'll, or I'll, I'll just make sure that when I'm with that person, I keep everything just exactly how God wants it to be. I'll do the will of God. I'll pray for that person. I'll uphold that person. I'll encourage that person. I'll do the will of God, not the will of the flesh. Have you got that strategy? Simple. Draw it out to its end conclusion. All right, just in case you didn't get it. Why would I repeat myself? Your heart has got to hear it. Watch the strategy. This is called gluttony or greed. Well, every time, every day, oh, it's for me. It's for me. I'm the most important word. That's mine. It's mine. You know, you can't adventure in God until you deal with the, the selfishness of the mind. It's not yours. It all belongs to God. You own nothing. It all, it all belongs to God. Every, God owns everything. He owns everything. Nothing is yours. So this greedy gluttonousness, it's just not in the kingdom of God. Okay? It's, you got it, so you share it. That's what it's all about. You don't sit there and say, it's mine, let's hoard the yellow dirt. It's not yours. It all belongs to God. You notice we don't actually take an offering up here. So it's, I, it's not because I'm going to send the offering bag around. Okay? Let's talk about this greed then. So you always see, and you notice, you know, you're the one who goes away from the table and God shows you, you know what, you were greedy. You took the extra bit. There was, there was five chocolate biscuits on the table. And there was, you went up there and you looked around and you saw there was six people in the room. And so it wouldn't get odd, you took three. They could, they, they could divide, it wasn't going to be a problem. Well, because that's the way I've always learned to act. That's the way I always learn to think. It's always that I've got things I've got to look after. I've got to look after myself and mine, you know. So I'm going to take it and I'm going to have it. It's mine. I'm greedy. Well, here's the problem. You do that, you can't be in the kingdom of God because God is not greedy. He's about giving. So you lure it out. Feeling here, I want to do the greedy thing. I want to do the gluttonous thing. I want it all for myself. I want it and they say, you can have it. No one else is. They'll just take it, they'll just use it, they'll just waste it. You have it, you look after it. It's the greedy thing. So I'll let you draw it out. Come on out. What do you want me to do? What is it that you want me to be enslaved with? Oh, greed. You want to make that yellow stuff my God? You want to make that food my God? You want to set up that idol in my life where I'm worshipping and adoring the food and the, and the yellow dirt and the, and the money? It's all for me. You want me to be the center of the whole... You know what? How about... How about no? Tell me your name. What is it? Covetousness. 
How about? I'm not going to do that. And so what are you going to do when you come around this way to do the will of God? What's the opposite of covetousness? Giving. You know what? I know how to destroy this. Rather than take the extra biscuits for myself, I'm going to take that around and I'm going to offer everybody in the room a biscuit, which means that I am going to miss out on a biscuit if everybody takes one. I'm going to do the loving thing. Not going to take, I'm going to give, give, give. And if somebody says, no, I'm on a diet, I win. If two people said, no, I'm on a diet, I win too. If three people said, no, I'm on a diet, I got three. If they all said, no, they don't want it, I can have the whole lot because I don't want it. But that's after I've done the will of God. You got that? How do you draw it out? Ask its name. What is the end of this exercise? If I keep doing this, what will I end up finding out? That that leads to what? Find out its name. What sin is it, is it hiding under? That little feeling. And then go around and do the will of God and kill it. Cut it off completely. Do you get that? Do I have to do it again? Please don't do it again, Mark. Please, not again. He said, they will pursue us until they have lured them away from the city. For they will say, they are running away from us as they did before. And so when we flee from them, you are to rise up from ambush and take the city. The Lord your God will give it into your hand. And when you have taken the city, set it on fire. Friends, I want you to know that when God wants to deal with something, he doesn't want any sort of like um, remnant left behind in you. He wants it clean. So clean that if someone were to come up to you later on and tempt you with the thing that you were tempted with, they would find within you an absolute no. That's not me. I don't do that stuff. Why? Because I'm sanctified. I'm set apart. I'm washed. I'm clean. I'm born of the Spirit of God. I am not what I used to be. I am different now. I am born of God, not born of the world. Amen? He wants to get us, kill, kill it completely. Um, but do what the, I have, I'm just going to go back a passage, and I want you to look in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. And in Proverbs chapter 7, we have this whole idea worked out again. It's the way you react to sin. It's the sort of thing that you do. And I, and I want Proverbs chapter 7 and, and in verse, in verse um, 6 we'll start. At the window of my house I looked through the lattice and I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men a, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in her direction of the house at twilight as the day, day was fading, as the, light was, uh, as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with a crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the streets, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. Verse 13 says, She took hold of him and kissed him. And with brazen face she said, Today I fulfilled my vows. I have some food from my fellowship offerings at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colors of linen, for Egypt, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. 
Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband has gone away. This is an adulterous relationship. My husband has gone away. He has gone on a long journey. He, he took his purse filled with money and he will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She dis- seduced him with smooth talk. At a glance, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deep uh, deer stepping into the noose till the arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into the snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to what I'm saying. The same scenario. Exactly the same sort of scenario. But I want to just bring this whole idea to you now. The thing when you're teasing it out or luring it out. Um, Jenny, come here, darling. I just want to... I want to I want, I want to show you this because this is important that you understand. And, and uh, Robert, could you stand behind my wife, please? Now just, my wife is going to take a different persona on now and she's going to become the evil intended woman. <laughs> so I use her because you know just that it's not going to be true. Okay, so he, he, you see now, when I'm luring her out, this is what we do. We look and we say, beautiful. <laughs> yes! Woo! And she wants me. She's come out looking for me. Woo! Well, that's what it said, didn't it? It said that she said, I have fulfilled my fellowship offerings. I've done all the things. Well, what's that? She's a Jew. She's got a bucket that she fills up with sin every week. And once she's filled it up with sin every week, she goes and gets it cleaned up. She offers up a sacrifice and she empties the bucket. So she's now got an empty bucket. So when she's now got the empty bucket, she goes down to the square, down to the market. And what purpose is she going down to the square and market? To get me, because I'm here. Hello, darling. She wants me. Why? She wants me because she's going to fill her bucket up with sin again. I need to take it back to the temple next week and empty it again. You know, this is not the plan of God for our lives. This is not the plan of God for his children. That they should fill up their bucket with sin, empty it out, and then come back to church again to fill it, empty it out again, and to fill it up and empty it out. So what she does, I get deceived in this whole matter because I think, like her, that I can fill my bucket up with sin and next week I can get rid of it. The scripture tells us, that no, there's something ugly to sin. That I might look and say, Woo, come here, honey. She, she says, oh, You come to me. You want to. What's that you're wearing? No, 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 it's not stop it. it was, or is that a perfume? What's that you're wearing? Paris. Paris. She's wearing Paris. You know, it's my favorite. You know, I just go weak at the knees when I get to Paris. So. I, I get this sensation of I'm lured. This is what we do. And I'm caught by the beauty of the thing that I want to dance with. I think, well, this is just gorgeous. My wife is dancing in front of a whole host of people. Isn't that amazing? How about you do this? Oh. Now, look. What I don't understand is that this woman is connected to this thing here. 
So that's the problem, you see. And I don't see that at the beginning. I see that, oh, we're going to fill our lives with love. And I am doing this and dancing with love. And guess what's about to strike me? I'm killed. Why? Because the package of the beauty of sin is always connected with the harm of sin. You can't have them separated. You can't do the sin and have the pleasure of sin and not have the harm of sin. Tease it out because you want to see the harm of it all. That's why you tease it out. You say, come on out, come on out. What is it? What is it? You want me to commit adultery? You know what? If I commit adultery, just think that one through. If Mark commits adultery, think that one through. What would happen to his lovely wife if she found out I was committing adultery? What would happen? Oh, you don't even want to think about it. It's so sad. What would happen to you if I did that? Tease it out. Tease it out. Come out from the stronghold. Come out from the stronghold. What is it you want me to do? Now you've got it out. You can see the nature of the beast. How about no? How about we kill it? You see, because you can't dance with sin and not actually have to deal with this bloke as well. And he will kill you. Like an arrow that goes into your liver, you will find the burn of it. It might be nice or pleasurable for the moment, but there's a bite in sin that will take you down. You did very well, my wife. You did really well too, Robert. Friends, I want you to understand that. You have to deal with sin. There's a cost involved with it. It's just not sin. It's everything that's ugly that goes along with that as well. One of the things I, I like about this it says, but Joshua spent the night with his people. Joshua is the type of Jesus. Where's Jesus at the point of defeat? Where's Jesus at the point of defeat? Is he in heaven looking down on you going, No, 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 no. Jesus is not in heaven looking right down with you. They're looking at you and saying, oh, no, no, I can see you. Like, you know, we'll, we'll do this thing here, over here in the corner, so we're not near the window. Because, you know, he might be up there looking through the window at us. You can't escape Jesus. You can't escape. You can't find a little hidden place to do the thing that you are going to do in private and think that God is not going to see him. You know why? Because Jesus is living right there in you. And the minute you begin to do it, he's sitting there going, oh, this feels really ugly. You know, this is feeling really uncomfortable. This is not nice. You know what you're doing? You're crucifying Christ again. You're actually doing the bad thing with him living inside. You're doing it. You're making Jesus do it because Jesus lives inside of you. Like that idea? Jesus, why don't you commit adultery? Oh, that doesn't sound very nice. That's the reality of it. Joshua stayed the night with him. He stayed the night. He was there. God was there when they failed. And he was there when he started to plan the victory. Jesus is always there. His plan for you is to you, for you to go on in God. I like what Cheryl said in her, in her prophetic thing. He, his eyes on you and he's, he, he delights in you. Yeah, like Nathan delights in her in his daughter. You can see he's, he's hug, hugging the little girl at the back there now. He's delighting in his daughter. You know, she may do something that's sort of not quite right, you know, but it's still, the reason he disciplines her is because he delights in her. If he didn't care about it, he would just leave her alone. He'd just put it aside. 
your, your discipline of the child that you are caring for, your discipline of your, your children is all bound upon the fact that you delight in them. The Lord loves those he disciplines or the Lord disciplines those he loves. He delights in you because he delights in you. His discipline is there. So he is wanting to be there. He's wanting to be there. He's there at the moment that you sin. And he's also there at the night time after the sin to help you plan for the victory because he delights in you. He wants you to come through that thing. Titus actually tells us the same in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So listen, I want to I just say that there are no favorites here. In God's economy, there are no favorites. Now, that's all right for you. Um, I have this problem and it keeps, on hab- it keeps on hitting me. But, you know, I look at Rob and Rob's able to get over this and he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, a hard-working man and he's got something. You know, God's given Rob the ability to do something, but he hasn't given Rob the ability to do it. And so Robert's got more of God's grace than Bob's got. Like some people look like they just fly. They, they, they run, they trip over and you think, oh... Nathan was walking at nine months old. I thought, wow, this is just crazy. He's walking at nine months old. That's, he's not big enough to even walk, but he's walking at nine months old. And I just think, you know, this tiny little fella, and he's standing there pushing a trolley at nine months old, and then gets up and walks around. You think, this is too small to walk. Some people are like that. They, they're very young, but they just get going in God. They just sort of, they get their feet. They learn to do the will of God and they learn to overcome sin. And all of a sudden they take off. You say, look at that bloke. Ten years later, you go, look at that bloke. Well, look, where is it? And other people, they just don't get it. You know, they sit there for 16 months, 17 months, and they're still sitting there. Pick me up, mum. Pick me up, mum. They're not walking yet. And you say, well, somebody's sort of gifted more advanced than others you know we say that that child's more advanced no there are no advanced children in the kingdom of god there's obedient children and disobedient children that's the bottom line okay the advancement comes with obedience and the grace of god is there for all people are you part of the all say to your neighbor i'm an all i'm part of the all that means you are that means the grace of god has appeared to you so the word grace is an interesting, it's the d- divine favor of God. But the, the strong says this, it's the divine influence on the heart reflected in the life. So that basically means that, that God is going to influence your heart. When you're in the point of nighttime, the grace of God is going to influence your heart. You're going to feel the voice of God, the, 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 the nudge of God. Your conscience is going to be cleansed from dead works. It's going to say, you ought not do that thing before you do it. That's the grace of God on the inside speaking to you. Stirring up your conscience saying, ah, 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 don't go there. You know what happens when you go there. That's the grace of God. The little voice that says, get up and do it. Get up and do it. Get to it right now. Get up and do it. Don't procrastinate. Get up to it. That's the grace of God. It's there. It's speaking to you. The question is whether you're listening to it or not. But everybody's got it. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men and women. All persons have got the grace of God. It's there, the divine influence of the heart reflected in the life. It's got to be reflected in the life. What does this grace do? Read with me. It teaches us. Read with me. One, two, three. It teaches us to say, Oh, I like that. One more time. That's what I like because that's the word. That's the word. That's the word for advancement. The word for advancement is no to sin. 
That's the word to get on. How do you get on in God? It's not go, it's no. That's how you get on in life. How do you get up on the next step? No to tripping. Yes to stepping up. And it's God who's living in the night time with you, who's sitting in the moment of temptation with you. It's God and his grace and his voice speaking to you. The grace of God teaches us to say to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. There you have. There's the two things. No, draw it out. How about no and there to live godly lives. This is the take it now. You got that? Simple strategy. Stop something and start something else. Stop. The stuff that's getting you down. Start doing the thing you want to do. You know, Paul said it in, in, in Romans chapter 7. I think it's Romans chapter 7, verse 21. It says, you know, I have learned a law, he says. This is a law. He says, when I want to do good, evil is present with me. He says, this is like a law. And of course, in Romans chapter 7, all he had done with that is like, I, I keep on doing the wrong thing. I don't do the right thing. He says, when I want to do good, he says, evil is present with me to do wrong. And I choose the wrong, not the right. And then he, he complains, oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death? I feel like I'm chained to a dead man here. There's the rule. You know, I want to show another light on that, a positive light on that. When I really want to do bad... Good is present with me. Just turn it around. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Okay? Well, when I want to do bad, good is present. Say in a low voice. When I want to do bad, good is present. I have a choice. When I want to do bad, good is present. I have a choice. When I want to do bad, good is present. I have a choice. You have a choice. You have a choice. You choose how far you go into the promised land. Until you kill the king of Ai, you can't go any further. When you want to do good, evil is present, I know. But when you want to do evil, good is present. That means you have a choice. Set an ambush, kill the thing, and let's get on with our lives in Jesus. Amen? Let the next problem that we face be a different problem. Next, The next challenge that I face be a different challenge. Let's the next hurdle that I go to be a different hurdle. I want different challenges, different hurdles, and different things my, coming my way. I do not want to be at 57 years old battling the things I was battling when I was 17 years old. So when evil is presenting itself, presenting itself to me, I'm asking God, now what's the good, God? Because that's the thing I'm going to do. What's the good? 
I can feel the temptation coming at me. Lead me not into temptation. Lead me into victory now. Lead me not into temptation. Lead me into victory. What's the good? And God will say, here it is. This is the good. Pray for them that persecute you. Well, I just want to bash his lights out. I want to hit him so hard. Well, don't do that. That's the evil. What's the good? Pray for them that despitefully use you. Bless them, not curse them. There's always the good when you're going to do the evil. Do the good, not the evil. Why? Because the grace of God has appeared to all men and teaches us to say, Yes. Teaches us to say no to ungodliness. You need not do this anymore. Those who are born of God do not continue in sin. They cannot keep on sinning. The word cannot means they cannot at all. It's impossible for them to keep on sinning. And why? Because the seed of God lives in them. Jesus is living in you and you can't, if you're walking with Jesus, walk in darkness. You walk in the light with the light and you have fellowship with him because he walks in the light. You cannot walk in darkness and walk in light. You have to choose which realm you want to live in. Light or dark. My friend, set an ambush. Set an ambush for the things that are cutting you down every week. The things of mind, the things of heart that, that come up and cut you down that convince you you can't do it, set an ambush against them, enlist someone to pray with you. Walk, work with others, say, I want to be accountable to you. Now, I've got this problem, you know, and, and, and I, like this morning, Mark says, enlist people, I, I want you to pray with me, I want, I want to be accountable, I want you to ask me next week, did you do this? I want to know that you're going to ask me a question straight out front, did you do this? And I don't have to face you. And I know that you'll be praying for me. Will you do that with me? Will you, will, you, will you enlist me? Will you be part of my army to go and attack this thing? I do not want to fall at this thing again. This thing, cut it off if it calls you. Pluck it out if it calls you to sin. Better you go into heaven with one arm and one eye than go with all with everything into hell. Enlist people around you to help you to do it. Pray for one another. Support one another. Be responsible for the other. And let God's grace teach you to say, no to ungodliness and yes to doing the right thing. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. This word, Lord Jesus, is not good heard. It is best practiced. Your word, Lord Jesus, has to be done, Lord Jesus, with a heart that is fully obedient to you. Lord, we're not to be hearers of the word who deceive themselves, but the doers of the word, Lord Jesus. And we pray right now that you would help this word to engraft into our hearts that we would learn on our day, the day walk, Father, with the temptations that come us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And yes to you, Lord Jesus, and doing the right thing. Help us to work together to achieve this end, Father. Help us to be the people you want us to be, to raise the standard in this wicked world, Lord Jesus, that Jesus would receive all the glory due to his name. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.